Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Who's glad to be here this morning? How awesome was that? It's so good when we get to collectively encounter the presence of God together. Amen? Well, hey, my name is Ruben. I'm one of the leaders here at Oasis. Um, and so glad to, to just be here this morning with each one of you. Um, it really is like these Sundays are the times that we together as a team, like we look forward to meeting and gathering with each one of you guys. And so, uh, so grateful that you guys are all here this morning, that we get to uh, run after the presence of Yahweh together um, as a body. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and turn to Matthew 5, 11 through 16. Matthew 5, 11 through 16. And when you guys get there, hold it open. We'll get there in just a few moments. I want to ask this question. What does it mean and what does it look like to live as a follower of Jesus in a world and in a culture that opposes him? Put another way, how do we live the way we were created to live when we are so consumed with the fear of what the world may think about us? So the goal for this morning is to encourage us together that we don't have to live in the fear of man but rather we get to live as the salt and as the light here in the city of Chicago. So this morning, we're gonna jump into the word. We're gonna look at it line by line, verse by verse, as well as we can. And we're gonna see what the Lord has to say to us this morning, cool? So go ahead and look down at your Bible, starting in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are here. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified today, that, that you would be the one who receives all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor as we gather here this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Then you're good. So just a little bit of context here in this passage. Um, if you grew up in the church, you know that Matthew 5 through 7 is what's called uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, and Jesus, with his disciples, he, he goes on to this mountainside, and it says that they all sat down and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them. And he started with what's called the Beatitudes or the blessings of the disciples of Jesus, the blessings of those who follow him. 
And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he goes through eight of these blessings of the disciples of Jesus. And then he slightly shifts his focus from saying, blessed are the, and I can just imagine Jesus looking over to those who were there. And he says, blessed are you. You can just imagine being in a room where, like I'm talking to you, and then I say, blessed are you, Shane, and blessed are you, Gladys. There is something that happens when the focus is taken off of the generic and placed onto the individuals. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Have you guys ever had a moment where you were embarrassed about sharing your faith? Yeah. So I remember when I first got hired onto the job that I, that I work right now, um, they, they had us all go around and say, like, what do we do before? Where do we go to school? Um, and like, everyone's like, I went to Northwestern. I went to Loyola. I went to, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like... My name is Ruben. I went to the Moody Bible Institute. And it's just like, there was this like timidity that came upon me, right? And like, God forbid, I told them I was a pastor, right? Like there was this fear of a man that had come across me. And it's not that like, I don't love the Lord, right? I love him. But for whatever reason, I allowed that fear of man to overtake and, and not allow me to be the person I'm meant to be. And I was even sitting in my barber's chair yesterday and he's like, <laughs> he's like, what are you doing this week? And I'm like, ah, oh, just chilling. You know, like, <laughs> so just hanging out, lay it low. And then I was like, shoot, I just prepared a whole sermon on this. And so like five minutes later, I was, like, I was like, what are you doing this weekend, man? And he's like, oh, this, and he's like, you have church on Sunday, right? I was like, oh, yes, I do. Um, and so the whole, we spent the next like 20 to 25 minutes just talking about his upbringing, how he grew up in the Catholic church. And so I was like, what was your experience with church? And so all that to say, like, I don't think I'm alone, in this house, when I say that there are times where it's difficult to share your faith in Jesus. See, the fear of man, what it does is it keeps us from living freely as the people of God. The fear of man keeps us from living freely as the people of God. When Jesus turned to his disciples and he began to speak directly to them, he knew, they knew, that life was actually going to be really, really difficult that some difficult circumstances were going to come upon them. You know, to go against the, the Roman Empire and to say that Jesus is Lord rather than Caesar, like that, that would be death. You're going to get, and like for many of the disciples, it did end up in death and murder. To go against the, the Jewish belief that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a, a ruler, a political leader that was going to overtake that oppressive Roman Empire. And to say that the, that the Messiah had already come. That was heresy. And so they knew that it was going to be very difficult at times. But even in the midst of all of this, Jesus looks at them. He says, rejoice when you suffer. And I believe what Jesus was trying to accomplish was to free his disciples from the fear of man. But why would we rejoice in suffering? Like, what, why would we do that? That makes no sense. Like, things are just, you're literally getting beaten, and you're just like, yeah, praise. Like, why would we do that? Because we have an eternal perspective. 
When we're consumed with the things of the earth, our perspective is here on earth. But when we are consumed with the, an, an eternal perspective, we're not really concerned with what people are going to say about us. We're not really worried about the, the things that people might say. We're not really worried about how people might look at us anymore. I remember Pastor Moody last week, he said, the worst that the world can do is kill us. And if they do, we get promoted, right? Like we get to go be with him. The worst they can do is promote us. And so this isn't like us against the world, right? But it's this idea that Jesus was trying to get at of like, hey, you don't have to be afraid of what they're going to say about you. And when you catch the heart of God in this, when you recognize and understand that the heart of God is, is to allow you to live freely as his children, when you grasp Yahweh's heart, you stop being so worried about what people will think. We cannot allow the fear of man to keep us from being who we really are. And the only way to break that fear is to trust Jesus' words in here when he says, it's okay if you're persecuted. Rejoice when that happens. It's okay if they speak illy against you. Rejoice when that happens. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So when we learn to trust that Jesus and his words are good and true, it drives out that fear, the fear of man, the fear of the enemy. It drives out all of that fear. See, it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus, but be afraid to live the way that he created us to live. And Jesus is going to give us a couple metaphors here and a little bit of things that have to be what they are. Jesus says, no matter what happens, he's got you. He's going to take care of you. He has a reward for you. So the two metaphors that Jesus gives here are salt and light. In contrast, he's saying, you don't have to live in fear. Here's how you actually get to live. So we're going to go through these two metaphors. I'm going to share some thoughts on them, and then we're going to worship. Cool? Great. So the first metaphor is salt. Look down at verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Have you guys ever heard of non-salty salt? No, it doesn't exist, right? There are certain things that because of their characteristics, they are what they are. And so Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And salt, per its name, is salty. And if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer salt. And it gets thrown out. It's just like dirt and sand, right? And so Jesus uses this illustration to show that in the same way that salt is salty, Christians are to bring certain things into this world, certain characteristics. But here in the 21st century, salt is like, how much is salt, babe? Like, Two bucks? Super cheap, right? So like for us, we, we don't look at it the same way that a first century audience would have read this. So we have to go back a little bit. Um, but most of us already know this. I'm going to go through three things on, on what salt does, and then this will make a little more sense. The first thing is that salt gives flavor, right? Who likes bland food? Probably not very many of us. 
right? Salt adds flavor. I know I, I yeah, there's just so many things that I would not eat without salt. Um, but as a rule of thumb, things that are bland, right, they're not really good. And so what salt does is it adds flavor to those things. And so Jesus is saying in the same way that salt adds flavor, you too are to bring a specific presence into the places that you go. You're to add flavor, some saltiness to those places. I remember uh, hearing a story of a couple of buddies who were working in an office with like a bunch of non-believers and they would leave and they would come back into the office and they'd be like, man, the vibes are just different when you guys are not here, right? Like, that's what people should be saying when we are around or we're not around. Like, there's something different about this place when you guys are here rather than when you are not here. This should be the case as believers. So the first thing is it adds flavor. The second thing that salt did, before refrigerators, they could not keep their food cold. There were no ice machines. There was no electricity. There was no refrigerators. So what they would do to preserve their food was they would douse it in salt. So as you can imagine, it was extremely valuable. People literally, if you're going out and working to be able to provide food for your family, but you can't keep that food good, you're working for nothing. Right, And so salt, it would preserve. And so in that same way, us too, when we go into the world, we're to be people that bring reconciliation. We're to be the mediators. We're to be the people that keep things from going all the way down, right? There is something when a believer is, I've heard so many stories of like, man, if that person wasn't in the room, things would have just. We should be those people that when we are in certain places, we are able to preserve. In the same way that salt preserves, we too are to preserve. And the third thing is salt adds value. See, salt was so valuable in the first century. Does anybody know where we get the word salary from? Salt. In the first century, the wages for a Roman soldier's work or for uh, laborers was salt. They would literally get paid in salt. So much so that the word that we have for salary derives from the word salt. And so these people would have understood this, right? Like for us, we're like, oh, wow. You know, for them, they're like, oh, yeah. Like salt is valuable. In that same way, we are to be the best at what we do. We're to add value to the places that we do life. Salt adds value. So what Jesus is saying here to his disciples, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you are what brings flavor to the earth. You are what preserves the earth. And you are what brings value to the earth. And church, this doesn't only happen when we gather here on Sundays. This happens when we are scattered throughout the city of Chicago. Does anybody eat salt in clumps? No. No, salt is good when it's scattered, when it's sprinkled throughout. Nobody likes like a bowl of salt. Like people just don't do that, right? And so salt, this, so we gather here, right? But like we scatter throughout the city of Chicago and we add flavor, we preserve and we bring value to those places. And church, this is who you are. 
Jesus doesn't say, try really hard to be the salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. By nature, in the same way that salt is salty, you too are to bring those things into the places. You, you already do. So keep walking in that, Oasis. Keep living in that. And the moment we begin to realize that we're actually not adding value, we're actually not adding flavor, we're actually not preserving, it's not condemnation. It's an invitation. Come. Come realign your heart back with the Father's to see his kingdom come and his will be done in Chicago as it is in heaven. So that's salt. The second analogy he uses is light. Look down at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus breaks down light in two ways. He first gives an analogy of a city that is built on a hill. Again, first century, no electricity. Homes were lit by lanterns, okay? And so when people were traveling by night, they would see this city that was on this hill lit by hundreds or thousands of lanterns. And for the people that were traveling, that city on the hill would be a guide for them. They would look at that city and say, that's the place that we need to go. And so the lights lit on that hill on top, uh, in that city on top of that hill were a guide to those who were traveling by night. And so Jesus says, light is a guide. So too, we, as the body of Christ, we are a guide to the city of Chicago. That when the city looks at us, that we come together and they can look and see hundreds of lanterns lit, empowered by the oil or the spirit of God. And they say, that is the, that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be following because what they're doing, they're guiding us. So the first thing is a city that is built on a hill. It's almost like when you're driving into a city surrounded by like a rural area, Right, like uh, my wife is from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and so like this may not be the best example, but you're driving and like there is nothing, and then all of a sudden like you see a few lights, right? Like literally, there's like three lights when you're going into Green Bay, but like you still see those lights, and you know like that's where like we're we're here, like that's where we need to go. So let your light shine. Allow your lantern to be filled by the Spirit of Yahweh, so that we can be a guide. To the city. Light guides. The second example he gives is of a lantern in a room. Have you guys ever had like a power outage where like you had to like light a lantern or like a candle? Did you guys put that lantern like under the desk or like in the corner or in a cabinet? No. You put it somewhere like super central, right? So that it gives light to as much space as possible. And Jesus says, you don't take a lantern and put it under a bowl or like under, a, he says, you take it and you put it on a stand in the middle of the room so that when you come into the room, everything that which was dark is illuminated because the light overcomes the darkness, right? 
It's not the, the darkness doesn't overcome light, but when light is turned on, it enlightens the places that were dark. And so light, it enlightens. But this is, this is so good right here. So, so first, let your light be visible for the world to see. And this isn't in like a, a prideful way, right? This is like the purpose of this, Jesus says, is that he would be glorified. But check this out. Um, you don't have to turn here in your Bibles, but Isaiah 42 Six and seven. Isaiah is prophesying about the times to come, the times that Jesus is teaching in right now. He says, I, the Lord, have called you, Israel, for a righteous purpose. And I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring prisoners out of the dungeon." And those sitting in darkness out from the prison house. The people sitting there, the disciples there, immediately would have went to this passage in Isaiah. See, because Israel was supposed to be the people that brought light into the nations. But as we know, if you read the Old Testament, that did not happen. And so Jesus is saying, you the new disciples, the new covenant people of Yahweh, you are a light to the nations. You are to open the eyes of the blind. You are to bring prisoners out of the dungeon and those sitting in the darkness out from the prison house. You, Oasis Church Chicago, that is your mandate. That is your calling. That is our calling. As the covenant people of Yahweh, we are now brought into this. We are adopted into the family of God. And now our mandate is to bring light to the city of Chicago, to open blind eyes, to set prisoners free, and to bring those who are in darkness to light. The point here that Jesus is making is this. Live a life that is publicly fruitful and publicly visible. Why? So that you can be glorified? No. So that Yahweh is glorified. So that when people see the good works that you are doing, that when your O group comes together and you guys decide, hey, we want to actually start making an impact in the neighborhoods that we live in. When you start coming to your leaders and you're like, hey, what if we started getting more involved in the foster system? What if we started living a life that is truly glorifying to Yahweh? So that, the, so that the city of Chicago can see. How cool is that? that? Like, what we do can cause people to worship God. Right? We get so consumed with, like, this me, myself, and I mentality, but when we're living in alignment with the kingdom of God, people are changed. And Yahweh is glorified. Amen? Cool. So for some of you, all this is, sounds like Awesome. Right? And you're like, I'm in. For others, this is like absolutely terrifying. You're like, I, I hear what you're saying, but like, you don't know my coworkers. You don't know my life. You don't know, like, you don't know what the spheres that I live in look like. So a couple of thoughts on how this can look like in our lives, and then we'll worship. Cool? First thing, we gather. We gather. We live as salt and light. By gathering. 
Hebrews 10.25 reminds us, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And what's the, re- what's the result of the church gathering in Acts chapter two? That they devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship. They broke bread together. They prayed and everyone was filled with awe and wonder at what the spirit was doing amidst them. They sold property and possessions that to anyone who had need, they gave. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And what happens? The Lord added to their numbers daily. When we meet, things shift. When we gather, there is something that happens. When we come here together as the church, when you get together with your O group, something happens. When we come together and worship, like like we had just had in that moment of worship together. Yes, that can happen in your home, but when you come together with other believers, with your family, because right, Oasis, this is our family right? Something shifts, something changes. We need to do this. We cannot be sitting on the sidelines. Church, we need you to show up. If you're on the mountaintop, come and bless and pray for someone who's in the valley. If you're in the valley, show up so that you can be lifted up. We are the body together. Now, I know that we are in a pandemic, and so I I want to be cautious here, but I also want to say, church, as as a family, please don't isolate yourself from the church for extended periods of time. We need each other. We need you here. So please, if, if you're not comfortable yet, if you're and like, that's not you and you cannot be here, like, I'm not trying to pull your arm to show up. What I'm saying is start making baby steps into what it can look like to be with the family again. Because we are not to neglect gathering together. Worship team, you can come on up. In order to be a city on a hill whose light shines, we need to gather. If only one lantern is lit in those cities, it's not going to be nearly as bright as if there were hundreds or thousands of lanterns lit across the whole entire city. So in order to be a guide, we need to gather. Because that is what we are. We are light. So the first thing is we gather. And the result is that people will glorify God. The second thing, how do we live as salt and light? We scatter. You're going to leave this place this morning, and you're going to go to your job Monday morning, and you, Oasis, you get to bring flavor to those places. You get to preserve those places. You get to add value to those places. When you jump on that Zoom call tomorrow morning for work, when you show up to your class, when you go into the office tomorrow morning, whatever that might look like for you, church, as the body of Christ, we get to scatter. Because like we said earlier, salt is not good unless it's sprinkled throughout. And so we get to do that all across the city of Chicago, whatever spheres that you do life in. See, this is the beauty of the gospel. You're like, dude, you don't know my life. You don't know my coworkers. You don't know any of this. You're right, I don't. 
But what Jesus says is that even when we were his enemies, he brought us in and he made us right with himself, that we can now go into those places and be empowered by the spirit of God to live as the people that he is calling us to live because you are salt. Amen, church. Jesus took on our wrath. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected and he ascended. And what did he say? He said, it is to your advantage that I am leaving because he's going to leave us his helper. So the third thing, how do we do this? By the spirit of God. By the spirit of God. If you back up a little bit in Acts chapter two, we read that as the early church gathered, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in power. And it was out of this moment when the early church received the unifying power of the spirit that they began to live as one body under one Lord and one spirit and one king, and they began to have everything in common. And this was only possible because of that moment when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. We do it by the power of the spirit of God. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Oasis Church, you are empowered You have the spirit of God in you and he has given you every spiritual blessing, period. But I don't have this. I don't operate in that. I'm not strong enough to do you. Yes, you are because the spirit of God in you is empowering you to do so. We live as salt and light in the world by gathering, by scattering, and by living empowered by the Spirit of God. I want to close with the story of, of one of my coworkers. Um, they were going through the interview process, and I, I, I'm in very close proximity with the whole team in our office. And they were interviewing this individual, and interviews usually take about an hour. They're over Zoom. Uh, they went for like an hour and a half. And my team lead gets off the phone. He says, Rube, you guys, Awesome. I was like, what, what happened? And, and then the other team later, she's like, oh, we were just like brought, almost brought to tears like three different times. And mind you, this man is interviewing for a corporate job in corporate America. And I said, what did he say? They're like, well, the stories that he was telling us literally almost brought, I was like, what are the stories? And one of the team leaders, she says, it's kind of controversial to be a Christian right now. But this man so unapologetically talked about his faith. This is an interview, guys. When they asked him, why should we choose you over the other candidates? He said very confidently, I'm a follower of Jesus. And because of this, I work hard. Because of this, I treat my coworkers with respect. Because of this, I will honor those around me. And and when they're telling me that he said these things, I'm like, like, bro, Thank you. And, and so it was just and like, so what does it look like to be the salt and the light in, in the city of Chicago church? It's don't fear what people are going to say about you. Be the people that God has created each one of you to be. Be the salt and carry those characteristics. Be the light and let your light shine so that others may see the good works of God and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Hey, we're going to take, I know we're running a little bit late, but we're going to take a couple of moments right now. And 
I want us each to respond in, in whatever way that you feel prompted to respond. Um, I felt like there was going to be three um, different people and in categories of people that we need to pray into. The first is that if the idea of gathering with the body, there is a sense of apathy that's been coming along with that. And you're like, why do I need to gather with the church? Like, why, like showing up here is like a struggle. And maybe like you only make it like 10% of the time, or maybe you don't come at all. I want to pray for those who are struggling and there's a, an apathetic heart and, and you're just like, why should I be there? The second, people that have been living in the fear of man, in the places that you do life in, where there's a, a fear that of, of what people are going to say or think or, 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 or do to you that is hindering you from truly being the people that you're called to be. And the third is this the people that want to be empowered by the Spirit of God to go into their spheres and be the salt and the light of the earth. And so if either of those resonate with you, take a few moments. If you want to come up, we're going to worship. The prayer team will be up here and they'll be praying with you guys. But church, I want to encourage us. This is an invitation. If you're like, man, I have not been living like that, start today. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Gather, scatter, and live by the Spirit. So as you feel led, as you feel prompted, come up for prayer if that's you.